Welcome, boils and ghouls, to Handle with Scare, a horror podcast brought to you by Tumbly Drunk and Holly Hooch. Be sure to stay connected with the show via social media over on Twitter at Handle with Scare. You can email us at handlewithscarepod at gmail.com and find more information on our website at handlewithscarepod.com. Joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Holly Hooch, and tonight, uh, we are venturing, as I said, a pre-show into the So Bad It's Good a territory of horror as we deep dive into the 1981 release of Bloody Bloody Birthday. birthday. (laughs) All right. I I wanted a unison with you. (laughs) Absolutely. So, okay, Holly, uh, last night, you know, it was Tuesday, you know, we, uh... The Twister crew always gets together mm-hmm. for our a weekly double feature. We we ventured into sci-fi horror uh, last night oh. with two movies I've never seen. So it was honestly, I was trying to think that might actually be the first week since I started doing this about four and a half years ago where both uh-huh. of the movies I selected were brand new to me. Wow, that's really exciting. So that that never happens. Uh, So I will say this. uh, Come True definitely kind of like revolves around sleep studies and dream mapping, I guess would be the best way to put it. And there were some pretty like trippy I heard really good things about that. I heard really, really good things about that movie. Did you really enjoy it? It was uh, very bleak. For, for like the atmosphere and i i'm not gonna spoil how the movie ends but i will say the ending of that movie confused the hell out of me <laughs> <laughs> so if you like movies that make you think or just movies that uh don't necessarily pan out the way you kind of expected them to it's definitely an interesting one uh to look at uh but you know i was i was poking fun at uh, my good friend jessica who was also giving me a lot of flack for the selection for this week, primarily because of one scene. And I'll get into that when we get there. Uh, but, you know, she had uh, smoked up before the double feature. <laughs> and the other the other movie, Super Deep, is like body horror as well. So I'm like, uh. you know, Jess, you were you were kind of screwed either way, because both of them have <laughs> some, uh, some pretty entertaining visuals, to say the least. But uh, Super Deep was on Shudder. That was one of their new newer releases uh that was like a russian uh, sci-fi horror movie and you know i i know we talk about editing and like post-production of movies and i will say this i enjoyed the Mm -hmm. movie with one exception the sound mixing in super deep was awful I'm talking. That can really throw you off too. I'm talking about just the general audio levels of that movie, where you know, as someone who's using a mixer, who, you know, I I have to turn everything up, so I got to make sure everyone else is at a viable level. I felt like my ears were bleeding at times watching that movie because of how high some of the leveling was. <laughs> so it's just and that's like, all just needed too. Scared <sighs> and really loud sounds. Just really, really <laughs> loud, but. Uh, kind of reminiscent of some other like blob or theme movies of yesteryear past. It was entertaining. Also some very cool visuals. So all in all, I had a good time except for the fact that, you know, I felt like my ears were bleeding in in that movie. But, you know, outside of that, 
know, it was a it was a good week. We got a new Candyman trailer today. Uh, I don't know if you got an opportunity to watch that one yet. And I have not. Uh, the Halloween trailer is supposedly dropping either this week or next week. So I can only assume that's going to be attached to the Forever Purge because that is also out next Friday. That's so exciting. Oh, my God. So what are you going to watch? I could not join you this last Tuesday, but I'm really excited to join you this coming Tuesday. What is on the docket? I have not figured that out yet. You know, some weeks I map out in advance. (laughs) Right. And uh, other weeks just like, all right, let's see what's new. Uh, So, you know. Rule of thumb is good. Rule, right, rule of thumb is if uh, I don't have a set plan, I would typically go towards newer releases, whether it is Makes video, sense, video yeah. on demand or new to streaming services, or you know we go with the themed double feature, like what we did with our uh, amusement park week when we watched Hellfest with that, which is another movie that was fairly criminally underrated by a lot yeah, of yeah it was a lot of fun yeah i would agree like i um i was pleasantly surprised when it came to that movie i i, I really expected it to be uh, way more subpar it was that and i and i thought it was really enjoyable mm-hmm. and you know the funny thing is that movie kind of sparked one of my uh the other things I did this week, because uh, I bought my tickets. Uh, I'm going to Disney World after my birthday in October. That's and right. I bought my ticket for Halloween Horror Night, which I have never oh. been to. And I, I will say this. I do not do good in very dark places, and I am also claustrophobic. <laughs> but I have always been really fascinated with stage design, all of the work that goes mm-hmm. into haunted houses. I, I love that sort of production. So, in regards to riding the fine line between being scared out of my mind and also fascination, Mm -hmm. I have no idea how I'm going to do, but I am so excited to check it out. And I know a lot of other people have been hyping up this year because it is their 30th year of doing HHN. And they got a Beetlejuice haunted house this year, (gasps) which is going to be amazing. Oh, and I, I've only seen a couple of maps that are, like, speculative, so I don't know mm-hmm. what all is going to be there. But I'm really hoping that they have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. And also, there was a Creepshow one listed. So wow. I I can't wait to go see what that's all about. But, you know, watching Hellfest kind of, like, really sparked my interest because I just love the atmosphere of that movie. And it's just like you... That's one of those movies that wants to, like, pull you in. Like, man, I really want to go to this. <laughs> That's great to hear. And I'm kind of really jealous now. I hadn't even considered going, but um, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to see what's up. Yeah, absolutely. It basically runs August through Halloween uh, over right. in cool. Orlando. So just an FYI. And that front. But anyways, let's jump in uh, for tonight. So... As we mentioned, uh, these past few weeks, we have been doing phobia themes. And, you know, we still got a couple of weeks where we are tackling movies that deal with the excessive fear of children with uh, pedophobia. So we started this last week with Goodnight Mommy, which was an Austrian movie uh, that was released in 2014. And, you know, we talked about how it was basically a tale of a mother and her son come to terms with their loss both as individuals as well as a family. And tonight, you know, we are basically going from this very (laughs) endearing (laughs) Elias to uh, three, for lack of a better term, absolute shitheads. (laughs) 
in bloody birthday. <laughs> I found myself, I, I was watching this movie and I loved it. And I, I found myself thinking the same thing over and over again. Like, listen here, you little shit. Like, like that has that same energy that you hear some villains in some movies toward. It, it's just, I just felt that the entire time because I hated them so much because I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was great. I really loved the movie. <laughs> You know, it was uh, for a good reason. So why don't you quickly go over the plot and we will jump right into this one. Ooh, I get to do the plot. Okay. So, uh, well, it's, it's, it opens. Uh, wait, it opens. Yeah, it opens on a hospital, a Meadowvale Hospital, General Hospital, where there is an eclipse and three children are born under uh, uh, this, uh, this event. And uh, later you get a little tiny bit of like, uh, you know, astrology and uh, <laughs> Uh, that one of the uh, one of the characters is working on saying, "Oh, that's so weird. These three kids are missing a part of their personality." Basically, saying they're sociopaths mm-hmm. or whatnot. And so, these three kids who are what like mm, ten, ten, yeah, mm-hmm. they're having their birthday, and it's a bloody birthday, and they go on a murdering rampage. And they're these three cute little kids that just have no sense of. Um, of uh, uh, sympathy or empathy, and they just uh, they they murder a bunch of their uh, neighbors in their small town. One of them murders their own dad, right? And it was just mm-hmm. so um, it was hilarious. So <laughs> the best part about this this whole movie, though, is that it's set in the eighties, and the amount of shit that kids could get away with in the eighties, or the amount of trouble that they could get over, they could get into in the eighties, is just crazy and i'm a kid of the 80s i was born 81 i believe you were born in the 80s as well yeah 87 i don't know if you were 87 okay so tell and so yeah like i um i i had a really good time remembering all of the like horrible little things that i that i ended up doing or or accidents <laughs> because my parents just weren't around <laughs> mm-hmm. oh wait but let's let's not get i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> so so these kids, the movie starts a great scene. So uh, the the very first kill is uh, a couple. They're making out, teenage couple. They're making out, and they're making out at a you know graveyard, you know, nice and sexy. Mm-hmm. And then they decide they want to make out in a grave. <laughs> so right off the bat, and and it's not like they're, they're not being gothy about it. They're just like, mm-hmm. hey, is somebody? Oh, is that somebody out there? Ooh, let's hide in a grave and make out in there. <laughs> so they they hide in an open, freshly dug grave. <laughs> And then the boy who's on top gets conked or bonked on the head with a shovel. And then the girl gets like, you know, a, a, a noose tied around her neck from a jump rope. And so they're both sort of um, incapacitated slightly. They're not dead from those two acts, but um, enough to for them to get buried alive. And mm-hmm. you never get to see who's doing it. But I remember thinking like, oh, that's an awful way to go. <laughs> And honestly, it was one of the more creative kills I've seen in like, mm, you know, a couple of weeks. So uh, right off the bat, I was like, thank you, bloody birthday. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> and then we uh, I don't know how much detail we want to go into, but it's a lot of fun. And right after that, we meet the uh, the good guys in the movie. So we've mm-hmm. got little Timmy and his sister, Joyce. Their parents are out of town. And uh, and and from there, we we go into a classroom where you might have to have to jump in and help me in case I'm going all over yeah, the place. Well, I, I think the most important thing to note is like when we meet Timmy and his sister Joyce, Timmy is basically uh, sneaking back way. into the house through the kitchen window. Right. And this is the same night where we see or we don't quite see, but Debbie, Curtis and Steven, the, the three shitheads, mm-hmm. uh, murder this fornicated <laughs> couple in the cemetery. 
Uh, which, you know, like, the thing that, the thing that I find hilarious about that scene in itself isn't necessarily, uh, the fact that they continued the act. It's more so, oh, someone might see us, so rather than going back to the car, you know, we're just uh -huh. gonna dive into the open grave, because that's much better. And then, of course, you know, they yeah. get a little bit of dirt thrown on top of them because the kids are, uh, <laughs> peering in. And, you know, it's not the only time where we see Curtis, uh, being a watcher, uh, in yes, the middle of the act Tom. as well. Absolutely. Uh, They're all peeping toms, though. But you need to take it away when it comes <laughs> to telling the story, because I think I'm just going to end up jumping around too much. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so at, you. as you mentioned, you know, we move into the classroom and that's when we are introduced to uh, Sheriff Brody. Uh, who mm -hmm. is the dad of Bev dad. Beverly and Debbie. Oh, Beverly. Uh, yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah. yeah. It's important to note, like, the kids that were all born during the eclipse are from three different mothers. So... Three different households, too. All, yeah. all of them are affected in similar ways, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit. But basically, Sheriff Brody has been brought in, and he is questioning uh, this classroom... Uh, because of the jump rope that was used in the killing. And, you know, they, they had, like, this little interaction where uh, Sheriff Brody had asked if anyone knew what murder was. And I think we're babies. <laughs> I, I want to say I want to say it was Debbie who gave the answer of, you know, like in the movies. And then it know, Brody steps in and he's like, no, honey, like not like the movies, you know, because when you're dead in this point, you know, you're dead. You're not you're not coming back. You're not having any sort of recurring uh, role or getting the comic book treatment of, you know, returning from the dead every other week or anything uh, quite like that. Uh, but, you know, the jump rope that was used in that murder is going to come into play with Brody at a later point uh, in this movie. But what, what I really liked about that scene in particular is, you know, you see the, the three shitheads trying to get out of homework because, like, they go up to the teacher and like, yo, teach, you know, it's our birthday, we're gonna have a party, the entire neighborhood is gonna be there, and... Uh, Mrs. Davies, I believe is the name of the teacher. She does not give a flying fuck. Like, she's like, you know, she is you, kind of a bitch. I mean. You're like, you're nothing special. You're not getting out of it. I don't care if you guys are having a party and everyone's going to be there. You know, you're still going to have to do your homework. So, you know what? Good for you, teach. Like, those kids are nothing special out, out, outside of their lack of empathy. If you want to consider that like their special power. But, you know, we'll we'll get into like uh astrology and like horoscope stuff later uh because you know it's kind of sprinkled in there but it's kind of like glossed over bit. yes very much for the so. most part outside <laughs> of like the little introduction but there was a pretty good quote that we'll get <clears throat> into uh revolving around that in just a bit but anyways then we get into the meat and the potatoes of the movie when we see debbie Curtis dun, and dun, dun. Steven uh, hiding out behind uh, Beverly's closet because Debbie, being the entrepreneur that she is, has <laughs> uh, made a peephole in her older sister's closet. And what is she doing? I mean, this this girl is pretty smart outside of the fact mm -hmm. that uh, she, she kind of like cuts the legs off from underneath her because she's not getting any more income later on uh, for other reasons. But basically... <laughs> She's charging the boys a quarter to allow them to watch Beverly strip in her bedroom through this people. And, oh, but T, you gotta tell in them. Order. Beverly, by the way? 
Uh, Julie Brown. Oh, that's right. Downtown Julie Brown. I did not recognize her until later on. I couldn't remember the uh, like uh, Steve's name. Mm-hmm. So I looked up like the cast and I was like, oh, that's Julie Brown. I did not recognize her. But yeah, you get to and- see Julie Brown's boobs in this. And, you know, like, whatever, you know, I, I remember this movie. That is always going to be the first thing that I remember, because that strip scene in her bedroom is, like, two and a half minutes. And it is... It's a long it, It's over the top. You know, the kids are, are they're having a good time, and they do get the full show, and uh, in order to see, you know, Beverly fully take her panties off as well, like, Debbie also charges Curtis and Steven more, so it's an extra dime uh, to to get the the whole show in there. But you know, like just the the song that they play, there's like a lot of like repetition. It's kind of like grunting almost. And you know, for whatever reason, like Beverly is parts and she like grabs a Coca Cola, she puts on a feather boa. <laughs> and, and it's just, you, man. it's Did just, you not know this? it's it's so over <laughs> the top. But like if. If you bring up Bloody Birthday to just about anyone, I can guarantee you that scene is going to be the first thing that they remember. Because honestly, like I was trying to think, when I think of like dance sequences or strip scenes in movies, the two that always come to mind are Bloody Birthday and Return of the Living Dead. Those are the two that that live rent-free in people's minds. For good reason. But, you know, it's just the fact that Debbie has... Uh, the thought process of, hey, I could actually bring in some money <laughs> and, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, at my sister's expense in this case. And she's not going to have any idea that this is going on. And, you know, too, it's just the fact that these two boys aren't the only ones that Debbie is charging because we know that Timmy, Timmy also fesses yes, up right. to this. <laughs> To Joyce later on, and then we do get a funny interaction between Joyce and Beverly it, in her bedroom as well. <laughs> that hole, though, is the size of a golf ball in the back of her closet. And I'm like, fuck's sake, Julie Brown. <laughs> you know, pay attention. <laughs> but whatever. But let's move on. <laughs> You're like, we can't. This is the biggest part of the movie. I mean, you know, of course, with, with it being the 80s, uh, bras are optional. So Beverly doesn't partake or doesn't believe in that. She's part of the uh, free the nipple movement in this case. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, but anyway, so like everything is like ramping up to this big birthday party. But before we can even get there, uh, we have this interaction between the the three shitheads and Sheriff Brody in which Debbie basically calls out her dad uh, to the front yard and the boys have set up a skateboard and they're basically going to try to get Brody to uh, trip and like ride the skateboard down the stairs. So basically what ends up happening is she has the, the jump rope that was used and it is missing one of the handles because of the murder uh, in the opening sequence of the movie. And, you know, Brody sees this, he picks it up. And then all of a sudden we see the boys come in with a baseball bat and, you know, they're trying to just dispose of the cop. And that is until, uh, you know, we see Timmy coming into play. So Joyce's little brother, the one who was sneaking back into the house uh, the night of the initial murders. And, you know, they kind of like flip the script where Debbie is trying to chalk it up as oh, wait, like, my dad just had an accident, like, she's calling for her mother to come out, uh, but, you know, at that point, it's too little too late. So we're already seeing, you know, Timmy 
has an idea like, hey, something is wrong. And there are plenty of interactions between him and 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 the boys that really clue him in on just how terrible of a kid they are. You mean like the <laughs> fridge scene? Oh, 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 that is a, the next scene, right? Right after they, uh, Debbie's dad dies. Right. <laughs> they just go play in a junkyard. Yeah, I mean. Which incidentally, like, ooh, junkyard. I mean, you know, you, you were talking about growing up in the 80s and, you know, some of the uh-huh. things that you got away with. Did you ever play in a junkyard? Was that like on your, your bucket list of things to do or one of your favorite places to visit? Holy shit, actually, yes. So <laughs> it wasn't exactly a junkyard, but my dad was like a mechanic for like semis. And uh, yeah, you know, I got to like, you know, run around and like, you know, the the it's basically a junkyard. But <laughs> I once wrecked a golf cart because I didn't know how to drive it at, at a junkyard. And um, what else? Um, actually, that was the worst thing that happened at a junkyard. But uh, I did have other stories of just... Uh, uh, getting hurt as a kid because I was such a dumbass. And these kids <laughs> were really smart. I mean, what, that was another thing that I was thinking about. And I made, I, br- I brought it up too about uh, Goodnight Mommy, how smart I was. And now mm. these kids are pretty smart too. I'm like, I think I was still eating dirt when I was 10. Like, I was such a dumbass. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I could really learn from these kids. But uh, yes, I did play in a junkyard. No, I didn't get trapped in the refrigerator. And that was a great scene too. Like, I was freaking out a little bit. I was... I was thinking, is this the end of Timmy? But it wasn't. <laughs> Timmy was really smart. It would have been the end of Holly. But nope. <laughs> Did you want? You should tell him how it gets out. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like the way that they kind of set that scene up because we saw Curtis basically pull, oh, a, pull a gun out on, on Stephen. <laughs> basically like, nah, man, you know, you're not taking my hiding spot. If you if you try to take my spot, I'm going to shoot you dead. Uh, a big ass dirty hairy revolver <laughs> and the thing is like half the size of his arm mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like what the fuck and he's like oh it's just a replica mm-hmm. but i was thinking oh it's the 80s where you could have really realistic replicas yep. so yeah and, i can't believe i skipped over that part yeah and that that's <laughs> definitely something that is going to come into play later because we do have a sequence where he swaps out his replica gun mm-hmm, uh for brody's with, gun with sheriff brody's gun after he is dead <laughs> Smart. Uh, thought he'll go get his uh, his service revolver. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so basically, counts, you know, Curtis he ends up uh, tricking Timmy into this refrigerator uh, and locks him inside. And it's just like, oh man, here we go. My claustro- my claustrophobia is already sparking oh. in in that scene because there's not <laughs> there's not a lot of light in. Uh, like Timmy has like this flashlight. Tiny little pocket it's, flashlight. Yeah, it's yeah. a really tiny one, and it has like a like a head on top of it, kind of like uh, kind of like a nightlight almost, but just in, mm-hmm. as a flashlight form. Uh, so not like the most light out of it, but basically he ends up uh, unscrewing some of the the panel in, and he rips off a piece of it, which is kind of like a acted like metal a, a, a metal like crowbar kind of, mm-hmm. and he uses that to uh, <clears throat> basically like get the lock off. Uh, after being Oof. in there for a, a, a good chunk of the day, because he tried screaming first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that that, that didn't work. I don't have claustrophobia mm. myself, but even in that scene, I was like, my I had my shoulders around my ears, just like, uh, uh no. <laughs> but uh, luckily, uh, he got out of that one, which was a uh, it was a really good murder attempt, kids. Like that was <laughs> that was a good try. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it doesn't, to go home. Yeah. it doesn't always work out, unfortunately. But of course, mm-hmm. you know, with Joyce being home, uh, being, you know, the woman of the house since, you know, their parents are away on an extended vacation. Uh, and, you know, of course, like we we hear the conversation between her and her parents and, you know, her dad s- still isn't like fully behind, like extending the vacation because like he's worried like something might happen. Uh, and, and sure enough, like. Joyce does not clue them into anything going on in the town, you know. Don't stress about it, you know, you enjoy yourself, do whatever you're doing. Murders, you know, everything's, really everything's good <laughs> on the home front, you know, I got tip me on lockdown, even though he's been a little rebellious at 10 years old. <laughs> and, you know, this is when Timmy fucks up, right? He fesses up to watching Beverly address mm-hmm. and, and paying for it. And, you know, as an older sibling, anyone who has a sibling basically will know the tells of their younger or older sibling whenever they are lying. Like, for example, mm-hmm. my sister is the worst liar I know in the fact that she will always smile whenever she lies, which is a dead giveaway, or she, like, laughs after the fact. So, of course, Joyce realizes, like, you know, cut the shit I know you're up to something. Where were you the night of the murders and all this? And then Timmy just, you know, he throws himself in the deep end. And and how does Joyce respond to, like, him being a peeping Tom? She laughs. laughs. (laughs) Because it's the 80s. (laughs) That was pretty neat. And then she does tell Joyce. I'm sorry. She does tell uh, uh, her friend Beverly, who actually then doesn't do anything about it, actually, right? Yeah. She's like... She kind of forgets about it. She's like, oh, oh, well, I mean, it comes up much later, but like Beverly doesn't give a fuck. In fact, she has sex with her boyfriend in her bed while uh, Debbie uh, peeps at her. Mm-hmm. So everybody's a peeping Tom in this movie. Basically. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing that the kids like to do, especially Debbie, uh, during all of these killings, she's basically keeping a scrapbook of all these like murder clippings from the newspapers uh, and so that kind of like yeah. clues you in on whoever the kids are wanting to target next. Uh, mm-hmm. So at that point in the movie, you know, we have a uh, a picture of their teacher, and we see the scene where you know Curtis swaps out his replica gun for the real gun uh, once they unlock the cabinet. And you know that was the other thing about that movie. You know, getting to see, like, the older, like, security lock mechanisms and just, like, how different they were back in the day compared to, you know, how everything is done with, like, codes and more digital now. Well, it was a key lock. Well, some sort of, like, powered key sort of lock, but he kept the the dad who was killed, kept the key right by the lock. Mm -hmm. So that was really defeats the purpose of trying (laughs) to be safe. Or I guess you're thinking everybody in the house is safe. It's people on the outside that are a problem. But no, if you live in a small community like that, you're probably going to get killed by somebody in that small community. I mean, there were problems both in the house and outside of the house. So it didn't matter if it was locked or not to begin with. And also uh, bulletproof windows. Remember that? That was weird. (laughs) I think that was completely like a narrative device where it's like, well, if we want this scene to work, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we got to have bulletproof glass. (laughs) Yeah, I, so, I I love that little sequence between uh, Stephen and Curtis, and he just looks at him. He's like, "That's bulletproof glass, you idiot!" Because like he's gonna like try to shoot someone miss. through the glass, and it's just like it's just gonna <laughs> right. bounce back and hit you in the head. 
you're not doing that. Uh, but basically, you know, Curtis ends up bringing this real gun uh, to school like that day. And we see him with uh, his teacher and she basically threatens him to uh, take the gun away, thinking that, hey, like this is a replica. And, you know, if you try to bring this in my classroom, I am going to confiscate it. Uh, needless to say, this does not actually happen. Like, yeah. Curtis acts like he's gonna put the gun away, and the way that he does it, I found absolutely hilarious in the fact that he's like, okay, I'm just gonna hide it behind, uh, my jacket, or, like, this trench coat, basically, and what happens, of course, he shoots Miss Davis dead in this, uh, I don't think it was a classroom. It might have been a classroom, actually, but we only see, like, a small... She was it. making paint or something, right? Mm -hmm. She was making paint for like you know art class or something like that. So it might have been an art class, but yeah, that was that was interesting. He kind of tucks it behind his jacket, but she's not even paying attention. He really didn't have to do that. I mean, he was just going to shoot her in the back anyway, which right. worked out. And also, nobody came in because they're at school, and that's a big right. ass gun. Oh, yeah. the eighties. Yeah. I'm just going to keep saying that. Yeah, no one, <laughs> no one, no one can hear the gunshot because uh, it was uh, muffled behind the trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> is that what he was doing? Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that's, that's what it's it was. That, that was his way to yeah. silence uh, silence the shot. I, that would not work at all. But eighties logic, you know, throw it to the wayside. <laughs> uh, Put a small pillow in front of it. <laughs> yeah, basically for the suppression. Uh, uh, but so Curtis ends up like leaving the room, and you know, Kimmy sees him, and you know, it's it is on like Donkey Kong. You know, the Timmy the Timmy is out, and he's just punching the snot out of curtis that little shit had it coming <laughs> and uh you know that was all because of you know timmy getting locked inside that refrigerator but unfortunately before like timmy could do some serious <clears throat> damage you know the fight's broken up and uh joyce ends up entering this art room uh she's you know putting stuff away or something. Mm -hmm. and you know she opens a closet to find you know miss davis's body falling out of it so but you forgot uh, how Steve or Steven was hiding uh, uh, right before that. He's hiding in the cupboards as well. Mm -hmm. And he's taking aim at her with a gun because he wants to shoot her as well. I counted no less than five murder attempts that were <laughs> unsuccessful and eight murder attempts that were successful. Was one of the best things about this movie was the pacing. You never get tired. It's going. If you can hear me snapping my fingers I like can. this. That's the pace. Like, there's always something. There's always somebody trying to murder somebody, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's it's just very entertaining. Before you know it, the hour and a half is over, and you're like, oh, okay. But yes, so right after Steve Stephen tries to shoot Joyce from one of the cupboards that doesn't have the dead body, Joyce discovers a dead body, and then he runs away because she's attracted too much attention, I guess, at that point, and he doesn't think he can get away with shooting her and not calling attention to himself. So. <laughs> Yeah, so, attempt number two. Yeah, so yeah. with Joyce having an inkling of what is going on at this point, uh, she essentially becomes their next target. So the boys concoct this plan where they leave a note on the front door of Joyce's house uh, from Timmy, basically, saying like, hey, I'm going to play in the junkyard. And of course, well, you know, kid does that by the way. Joyce, <laughs> no kid would, no do kid that. leaves. No, they would just go. Uh, Joyce panics, thinking like, "Really, little shit, you, you." We had this conversation yesterday. You gave me your word, and you're already breaking your promise to me. 
uh, as any 10-year-old typically would do in this case. <laughs> but, but what happens in the sequence was, was something that I was just like, just move to the side, right? So we see Curtis hotwire a car in this junkyard. And it's gonna be Curtis and Steven, right? Because yeah. one of them is pushing uh, the the gas with their hand, with their little tiny kid hands, mm-hmm. where the other one is wearing some sort of, and I couldn't tell which one was which, wearing like uh, some sort of like a blanket over yeah, them. It was, with a blank- eyes cut out. it was like a blanket, <clears throat> a white blanket, uh, looking like a ghost, basically. Curtis was mm-hmm. the one who was operating the uh, the gas pedal. Steven was behind uh, mm-hmm, the, the wheel. wheel. Uh, not the best driver, as you would come to expect, because he's he he's ten. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Was he successful? No. no. <laughs> Which incidentally didn't make a lot of sense. Why wasn't he successful? She jumped off of this little tiny ledge, and then the car comes right after her, and she missed it. So she she got lucky. I think Curtis did a Curtis and Stephen did a fine job, e for effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, you can't you can't win them all. Yeah, uh, yeah I, she, she got. <laughs> She got out of that one. Yeah, but, you know, for, for whatever reason, all of their attempts to deal with Timmy and Joyce did not come to fruition. Like, that Mm-mm. family had the wherewithal to get out of harm's way every step of the way. Uh, but, you know, this is when we start to see, like, the astrology stuff kind of come into play after uh, the whole scene between Joyce and uh, the other police officer in the town. Uh, because, you know, the kids, like... Before, like, the car goes off that uh, little cliff, you know, they set it up where uh, they have something set on the gas pedal, they jump out of the car, and then it's just off to the races at that point. So when the cop goes around after, you know, Joyce has her mini panic attack from nearly getting ran over by a car, uh, no one is there, obviously, because the kids are already long gone at this point. Uh, But, you know, we, we get into, like, this astrology section where, you know, Joyce is basically, like, reading this book, and she's doing these, like, personality tests, I think would be the best way Just to put it. Just for everyone in the, the in the town, by the way. Yeah. Like, this one's Debbie's, and this is the guy from the auto shop, and this is, like, that one didn't make a lot of sense, but I was like, mm-hmm. all right, Joyce, tell me what you found. So, <laughs> so here's the explanation for this, right? So, during this eclipse, the sun and the moon are blocking Saturn, which supposedly <laughs> controls your emotions and the way uh-huh. that you treat people. Uh-huh. Go on. And I'm just like, <laughs> wait, what? <Okay>. What? <laughs> I was like, that, that doesn't sound right. I mean, I don't know shit about astrology. <laughs> but it's just like, it's one of those things where you're like... Sure. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on. And a and a ten year old kid can hit a, a grown man in the back of the head with a bat, and he'll just go down. <laughs> but you know, we're suspending disbelief, and I think that's what that's what horror is all about. So <laughs> mm-hmm. let's go on. Let's continue. <laughs> all right. So you know, Curtis is continuing his campaign of uh, watching teenagers having sex, whether it is in a cemetery, in an open grave, uh, in the back of a van. And, of course, he kind of gives himself away because he jumps onto uh, the front bumper of the car, which, of course, kind of, like, rocks it. And, you know, the girl is freaking out, like, hey, someone's out there. And, uh, you know, sure enough, Curtis basically comes in through the back, shoots both of them dead. You know, the guys didn't didn't get the finish. That, that seems to be a common nope. thread when it comes to uh, dying 
in the middle of sex right in, in horror. Yeah. You know, you, you can't, you very rarely get to the climax. And if you do, you get, you normally, the normally what ends up happening is, uh, either there's a beheading and, mm -hmm. you know, the thrust motion still happen and a guy finishes, uh, you, in some cases, even going back to come true, uh, there, there's a sex scene that basically the guy's having sex with, uh, this teenage runaway <laughs> and she kind of like falls into like paralysis during sex. <laughs> Before he can finish. Oh. And it's just like... It's it's a common thread in horror. Like, you know, it, it's one of you the just tropes. don't get to finish. You know, you can't do drugs. You can't have sex. Because if you do, you're going to die. And, you know, this uh, definitely plays into uh, that rule. But anyways, we finally get to the big day of the birthday party. As I mentioned, everyone in town is at this party. That was a big buildup. I, I have to admit, I was a little disappointed mm -hmm. that the town did not get poisoned with poisoned cake. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, unfortunately, Curtis didn't actually follow through uh, for, for And once. it was on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. He was just trying to make Joyce look like a, like a nutcase because he gave her the impression that he was going to poison the town. Because, yes, this is a town-wide birthday party, which it's a small town. It's not the biggest deal. But, you know, that was a lot of cake. That was like three big sheet cakes that were put out. And then as it turns out, uh, you know, she she knocks the cake out of everybody's hand very dramatically and she's screaming how the kids are murderers. And then uh, Curtis takes a big old dollop of uh, of what she would think is poison frosting. But as it turns out, it's not. And it's all just to set her up to look bad. But, man, mm -hmm. if I didn't want to see like a whole, <laughs> a whole town go down with food poisoning, at least or poisoning, period. If, oh, yeah, I have to if, say. If, if only. <laughs> Did you feel the same way? You're like, oh, man. <laughs> you know, it was more, you know, I, I'm a I little like, morbid, I guess, but geez. I, I like the fact that, you know, Curtis is definitely the smartest out of the trio. And he's always the one coming right. up with the more clever ways of going about doing things. And, you know, he kind of had that mindset of, okay, like, I know you know. But I'm going to have everyone else believe that you are just absolutely batshit crazy. So I'm going to get everyone to think that you're just psycho. And then no one is going to take your word over mine in this situation. And then, you know, he's like, you know, I was just put in the poison away. I wasn't putting it in the frosting. And then, you know, we see, uh, I don't know if it's like one of his family members or like his grandpa or his grandpa. something. It might have been his, his grandpa. grandpa. Uh, but, you know. His grandpa's basically like, this boy has never told a lie in his life. And I was like, the fuck are you on about? This kid has been lying through <laughs> his teeth this entire movie. But, you know, that's that perception that we were talking about when uh, we were talking about, like, people having kids and how they always have a mm -hmm. different thought process of their kid and they hold him to a different regard or hold him to a different light where they always think the best of their own child and mm -hmm. it's always someone else's problem or it's outside influence. Or yeah. Although, to be fair, he uh, uh, <laughs> Curtis did wear glasses, so that sort of like gives him a little bit more of a what do you call it a pe trustworthiness. <laughs> people, mm -hmm. <laughs> people just assume that a well-dressed kid with glasses is going to be, you know, mm -hmm. honest and you know not murder you. Yeah, but, you he, know they'll be wrong. They'd be wrong. Yeah, because he. I guess in that sense, he's kind of, like, more distinguished. Because, like, even going back to, like, that initial classroom, 
you know, whenever Curtis was called upon to answer one of the questions uh, from Sheriff Brody, like, he stood up straight, he had a really good posture, he spoke with a lot of confidence, mm -hmm. he got the answer right, and then, of course, his classmates were like, you know, you suck up, basically. <laughs> so, like, he does a really good job at hamming it up to have the perception of not only the other children, right. but also the the parents, or just the the few adults that we do see in this movie. Like and he's kind of held to a different regard, part. where Timmy's yes. being seen he's as like cool the more kid. rebellious kid. Yes, and which uh, you know, as it turns out, he's the hero of the story, or one of them, anyway. All right, so right after the birthday party, we go right into a fake out, which I thought was pretty neat. So in this particular scene, this is where Joyce is hanging out with her boyfriend at her house. And I think she hears something stirring in the house and she's freaking out about it because, of course, at this point, her nerves are shot. And she's just, you know, just trying to keep it together. And she's just trying to keep an eye on Timmy. And she's walking around her house with uh, what looks like a trophy of some sort, ready to, like, pounce on somebody or hit him over the head. But it's just her boyfriend. And then there was there was no harm there, actually, right? Mm -hmm. I, if, I, if I remember correctly... None of the kids were there. None of the, the killer kids were there. She was just freaking out because things are pretty stressful in, in Joyce's life right now. And then, right, the scene after this is the uh, downtown uh, <laughs> Julie Brown dies mm -hmm. <laughs> scene, which uh, was was pretty interesting. I, I actually really liked how her, her sister's really mad at her because uh, Julie Brown finds uh, Debbie's uh, murder book. And she just calls her a perv or like, you know, morbid and tells mom about it. And mom's upset. And then she burns the book. And then Debbie decides to shoot her with an arrow through the golf ball size <laughs> hole that is always conveniently unhidden or, un, you know, uh, uh, unobstructed in, uh, in Julie Brown's uh, closet. <laughs> and she, she kills her with a fucking arrow. <laughs> she, and she doesn't just jam the arrow in, right? Or does she? I can't remember. Or does she use the the um what do you call it um the bow she she shoots her basically she taps on uh the the wall essentially to get mm -hmm. beverly's get attention, attention. Yeah. and beverly gets closer and she's like oh, right in front of the people in this case and then that is when debbie shoots her uh but like the whole yeah the, the whole she didn't setup the bow, she just gonna jam it through yeah like the whole but, setup know. for that was revolving around beverly thinking that debbie had sold like her lipstick or something uh and oh, yeah and that's when she finds the scrapbook because like she's basically looking for her missing items uh because apparently like that's that's not the first time that has happened um, nail polish or something yeah yeah and you know like she goes later yeah yeah so basically like debbie had set it up where she'd already called the boys over and when the boys got there uh they were frustrated at the fact that they weren't in on the kill uh you know debbie took was a glory hog took took the kill for herself and the boys are basically just there to help dispose of the body <laughs> but you had to appreciate debbie's like cool cucumber demeanor when her mom comes out of the shower and she sees debbie and uh her sister's body has already been taken away mm -hmm. and and again let's suspend disbelief that three small children could move an adult body although you know she, the sister wasn't that big, but they also did something similar with the dad. Anyway, so <laughs> they she she's cleaning up the blood, and her mom uh, finds her doing this, and then she very calmly says, "Oh, it's nail polish. I spilt it. I'm cleaning it up before you know." Mm -hmm. uh, Julie Brown sees it. And mom's like, "All right, then, honey. You know." <laughs> it was just 
it was pretty fantastic. I was like, man, she she is cool under pressure. That Debbie's going places. Yeah, and of course. So that was kill number. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five. That's kill number five. Mm -hmm. If you count the couple as ones. Yeah. If you count the couple yeah. as one, I don't think that's how that works in the kill count. But you know, to be okay. Sure sorry, or... sorry. When well, that gets <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. She's mm -hmm. she's kill number seven. You're right. There, it was uh, five uh, murder scenes, but seven bodies. Yeah. There you go. And and what I also loved about like the her reasoning for like cleaning out the blood is also the fact that like the mom knows that you know Debbie likes to steal like the makeup and and stuff from Beverly. So that happens between sisters all I have the two time. Sisters all the time. And well, I was the youngest one, and they had the cooler shit. So I was always trying to get my hands on their shit. So that was that's 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 a pretty common occurrence. And I think parents are just like Jesus Christ. Okay, mm. no fighting today. No screaming today. You know, they're just trying to keep the peace. So I, I, I kind of, I, I totally get that part. Right. And, okay. Um, I, okay, so I'm trying to remember at oh, one yeah, point yeah. there was the other fake out with Timmy. That's when he's on the treehouse and she, um, Debbie calls him up to play doctor. And he's like, I've never <laughs> played doctor before. So he gets up there and he sits on the ledge and this treehouse is really high up. And so she's going to push him over, but then like, a phone rings or something and Timmy's like, oh, shoot. And he looks behind him and because uh, Debbie's really smart, too. Mm -hmm. She doesn't put herself in situations she can't handle. So if she doesn't feel that she can successfully complete a task, she won't go in there to begin with, which I thought was uh, was pretty smart. So she decides not to kill Timmy because once he's facing her, she understands that she's going to have a much harder time uh, 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 killing him because she cannot overpower him. So that was attempt number one, two, three, four. That was murder attempt number four in total, including Joyce and uh, and all of well, all of the murder attempts are Joyce and Timmy's because everybody else just dies. Oh, yeah, I just noticed that. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, but imagine that. Like, and, and the thing that I like about that too is just the fact that you know it's it's the tease, and you know, for as smart as these kids are. Like, they're not so ruthless in the fact that, like, they're gonna, like, let nothing stop them from actually going through with the act. So they have a little bit of restraint, and they're only striking when it's opportune for them, uh, where right. they know they can continue to do what they've been doing here. Uh, so, you know, we, we fast forward a bit, and we see the sequence between uh, Timmy and the three shitheads, where, you know, Timmy's kind of, like, antagonizing them. And we're basically, like, off to the races at this point. Eventually, the three kids catch up to Timmy, and they start to strangle him using a garden hose. And they're kind of, like, on the side of the house, and, you know, Joyce is uh, doing some, like, yard work in the front of the house. Uh, we see, like, the sprinkler set up behind her, watering the grass, and it's, like, acting up. Uh, so, like, the water pressure is just all over the place, turning on and mm -hmm. off. So she goes to investigate, like, okay, something must be going on. There must be, like, a kink in the hose or something like that. So, you know, she walks around to see uh, her little brother being strangled by the boys. And again, Debbie, being a quick thinker Just that she on. is, yeah. is called it out, like, no, what are you doing? Let go of him. Like, try to act all innocent, even though she is one of the three in the act here. Uh, but she's always the one who tries to play off as being the angel out of the three. Right. Because she's and the, it works the girl. For her. It works right. really well. Mm-hmm. So here we have another instance where you have one of the kids play into their strengths. 
which is also one of the things that really makes this movie work in a lot of different ways. Uh, so, you know, I, the kids have a lot of personality and I really, I really like that too. They even set up this little scene, remember of, uh, Curtis with his grandpa and Curtis is, uh, I don't know, he's playing with some electronics and he's put together some, you know, blinky moving toy. And his mm-hmm. grandpa's like, Oh my goodness. How did you figure that out? And the whole scene is just to set up Curtis as the smart one. Right. And, uh, it, it works, you know, they give him little backstories and, you know, you, the kids got personalities and the kids are assholes and. And uh, and you don't feel rem- any remorse whenever when they start getting, you know, their comeuppance, which is <laughs> the best part. So, yes, <laughs> let's continue. Yeah, I mean, how many 10 year olds, do you know, that can hotwire a car? I don't even know a 40 year old <laughs> that can hotwire a car. And that's also telling of the people that I know, mind you. But still, it's like I I don't know how to do that. So, you see, it's pretty great. Right also, on. it's the 80s. I wonder if it's like easier back then and like hotwire cars that didn't have complicated uh systems and whatnot mm-hmm. but anyway after this uh let's see suffocating timmy all right this is we go right into the um right into the scene where they the three descend well is joyce babysitting for uh debbie because yes. debbie's sister has been killed and mm-hmm. her mom is so distraught okay yeah because they, they're they're in the the bulletproof house that's right yeah, and, you know, we have a sequence here where, uh, you know, Joyce is typically always listening to music whenever she's babysitting, so she has, like, the really, like, gaudy, thick uh, headphones mm-hmm. on her head. Uh, and, you know, we see Debbie basically uh, unlock the door to, to let uh, Stephen and Curtis in. They kind of, like, fiddle with the security thing, or uh, Curtis does, because he's a smart one with electronics, and they rig it where the door is going to be locked at all times, essentially. And that's uh, why they set up that scene with him, like, fiddling with electronics so that you could believe mm-hmm. that he would later do this. Mm, I see. Like, these guys went back and rewrote the script to make sure it made sense. And this is what dedication is all about, you know, making sure your movie makes sense. Right. And following through with everything that you that's possibly right. can. Uh, so, you know, Curtis always has the gun with him. Uh, as a 10-year-old would in this case. And he he's lining up his shot to shoot Joyce from behind. Timmy sees him, warns her about it. And, you know, shots are fired. It's everything is just all over the place. You know, there's that frantic pacing at this point. And that's really where we start uh, to see things ramp up. You know, Debbie's right. going to strangle Timmy mm-hmm. with a phone line. Uh, until basically, like Joyce was intense. throws a <laughs> lamp at her, and uh, I know. <laughs> I was like, going. I was like, you know what? I can respect that. Like qu- that is quick thinking. Like you're not like throwing a shoe at someone. No, you're throwing Fuck a you, lamp <laughs> at a ten year old girl. <laughs> and doesn't she throw like hot water on Steven or something or something like that? <laughs> You know, you got to use what you have at your disposal. You know, it doesn't matter uh, what damage it's going to do or how it might make you look to others. You know, mm-hmm. you, you need to put a stop to things one way or the other. And, you know, sometimes it takes that uh, that extra force behind it in order to ensure that happens. <laughs> but, yeah, the lamp, my- throw, the lamp <laughs> throw cracks me up. All right. Tell them about the gun so I can tell them about my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> And that's where, uh, when Curtis has them cornered with a gun. Oh, I'm trying to think if I have that in my notes. 
That's where uh, he's run out of bullets is basically what I'm getting at. So he's got Timmy and he's got Joyce cornered in the mm-hmm. house and he takes aim and he's being like a real asshole about it because, well, you know, he can. He's got the power, right? But he doesn't realize that he's run out of bullets because he's been spraying bullets all over the fucking house. And that's when uh, my favorite part of the movie being that, oh, yeah, you're 10. So they just tackle him mm. fairly easily and they <laughs> tie him up. And that's, you know, hey, t- we took care of Curtis. Let's go take care of the rest. So, was, so I just I thought that was so hilarious. We were like, oh, OK, yeah, he's mm-hmm. out of bullets. OK, we can, we can stop being scared for a second. <laughs> so they tie up Curtis and then ooh, what happened to Steven? Steven went down with the water. Is that what happened there? Yeah. OK. So they took Steven down with the hot water, and then that's – oh, and uh, Debbie runs out of the house because she knows when to split because mm-hmm. she's a smart little girl. And when she runs out of the house, she runs right into her mom who's driving back from um, – I think she must have been in the hospital or something, right? Um, I don't know what, what's going on there. It's, I seem to remember the hospital coming up again. And then her mom – no, does her mom know that she does not know that Debbie is a murderer, but she still decides to go start a new life with Debbie. Mm-hmm. Is it because she thinks that they're going to take Debbie away because, you know, you know, she's lost her family and she had a mental breakdown or something or what's that, going on? That's there? that's only how I took it, because her mother at this point was so distraught where. Right. You know, she definitely wasn't fit to be a mother or just, you know, be. Mm-hmm be that type of figure for for debbie at this case so she's and, just afraid that like you know child protective ser- uh, services are going to take away debbie so she's like fuck that we're we're skipping town you're going to get a new name we're going to mm-hmm. go live somewhere else but curtis and steven do get picked up by the cops and uh they do get put away and they have that that scene where curtis is looking out the window and he's looking at joyce and he gives a little a little snarly smile, and you're like, dun, 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 you know, to be continued. But then there's a great afterthought. There's a great ending scene, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that one to you because it's so good. Yeah, so we see Debbie and her mother basically uh, leaving the motel, uh, and, you know, they kind of, like, go through, okay, you know, this is our new name, this is our story, and all of that. Uh, little does Debbie's mom know that she had just killed a trucker at the back of this oh. motel, <laughs> uh, who was basically doing some uh, truck work, Mechanic work underneath yeah. the car. And I don't know if she, like, She dropped... fucked up the jack. It's yeah, it was a did. jack, yeah. I'm pretty sure, where she just, like, f- like, like toss it out or just made sure the truck dropped on top of this trucker mm-hmm. and we see kind of like his head bashed in to uh to end the movie so uh yeah you know debbie is uh you know pretending she's gonna be on her best behavior but she's still a little shit through and through mm-hmm. and that is never going to change because she nope. was born uh during that an eclipse. yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's a smart little girl she's going places i'm sure she went on to make a killing and uh i don't know working in assisted living facilities or something or mm. running them <laughs> yeah so, i can just imagine her doing that <laughs> yeah so basically they left it open for a sequel but unfortunately bloody birthday wasn't really Aww. a commercial success when it was released in 1981 and again like this was That's at a time this was at a time where slash movies and horror movies in general in the early 80s were basically coming out every week, you know, yeah. so golden age. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's a, you know, if you had a hit on your hand, it was great. And you would come out with the sequel the very next year, uh, True. even if that wasn't initially planned. <laughs> uh, but in this case, well, 
bloody birthday you too. You could write it though. Mm-hmm. You could you could change that totem. You can you can write it, and then you can reach out to the actors. I'm sure they're not doing much right now, and it could be you know like the 40 year anniversary uh, edition where they. Um, I don't know what they would be doing, but I'm just going to leave that to you. But uh, I, I believe in you, and I think you can write this. And I want to, I want to see it on my desk Monday morning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll get, uh, <laughs> I'll get right on that. Uh, but you know, this is initially like I want to say the working title was "Happy Birthday" for this one, but of course they mm-hmm. didn't do that because of "Happy Birthday to Me" ah. uh, came out oh, around the same that? time. I have to check that out. Okay. Uh, but anyways, right. you know, going going back to the astrology really quick. So there was a quote. Uh, oh, yes. I believe it was from Joyce who says this, which I really thought kind of like wrapped everything up pretty nicely. And, you know, it can bear some discussion, too. And she says, it makes you wonder if your life is planned out before you're even born. Ooh, how deep. So, <laughs> you know, there's definitely some truth to that. Like, if... I'll use an example, uh, you know, like let's, you know, let's say you're in a very successful family and maybe like there's a lineage for like a certain uh, occupation. So like, let's say you're in a family of doctors, right? Before you're even born, you have that expectation put on you that you have got to be a success and you have got to follow in the footsteps of mm-hmm. everyone else in your family and anything less than that in their eyes is not acceptable, and you will be considered an utter disappointment to your, your whole family, right? <laughs> and, you know, in, in this case, you know, it was dealing with the astrology, being born in the eclipse, where, you know, like, they couldn't have been the only three kids in the world born during this no, this phenomenon, right? So, like, nope. it, it makes you wonder. Sure was. Dun, dun, dun. You know, like, there's at least some truth to... Uh, weird behavioral patterns when it comes to eclipses or full moons uh, in horror, obviously because of, you know, werewolves. Uh, But, I mean, just generally speaking, in real life, whenever there's a full (laughs) moon, there just seems to be more craziness going on. So I don't know if there's like some chemical reaction or if there's some astrological explanation to this, (laughs) but it does make you wonder. Hmm. I'm wondering. Hmm. Okay. Does make you wonder. I don't, I mean, I'm not wondering too hard. I just, <laughs> but it is a lot of fun to think about. Ah, mm. uh, bloody birthday. What a great movie. I, I really enjoyed it. I watched it two and a half times. If you count the, <laughs> the first time where I fell asleep a little bit, but yeah, it was, it was great fun. And, uh, uh, uh I've seen, uh, the next movie we're watching already, but it's been a long time. So mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to rewatching that. But yeah, it's gonna be hard to to be a bloody birthday, especially coming right out of uh, a good night, mommy, where we only got one good kill mm-hmm. and and just a lot of suspense. So here was complete opposite, very low suspense and really high kill count for for children. You know, you you gotta cut them some slack. They're small children. <laughs> hey, they, they got they got eight kills in their system. You know, that's success that's right there. Good. <laughs> But yeah, the, the mechanic one was like, oh, that's a nice touch. All right. Nice going, Beth. Because she changed her name to Beth, everybody. That's her new identity, Debbie. So yeah, that was uh, that was great fun. So thank you so much. I hadn't seen that. I really <laughs> liked it. Oh, oh, and I did want to talk to you about one more thing. Okay. Do you have any moments in your life that you remember going, holy shit, I almost died, and your parents never knew about it? Holy shit, I never, okay. I almost died. I and your parents never knew about that. I wouldn't say I had a near-death experience. There's definitely been moments where 
as a kid, we were fucking around, doing things that we probably shouldn't have <laughs> been. Around. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I think something that comes to mind uh, for me is, you know, I can't remember how old I was at the time, but this happened literally like a day or two before we were going on a family vacation uh, to Kentucky. So my, my friend and I uh, were having like a nerf fight <laughs> and... You know, I was hiding behind some bushes on the side of his house, and they have a basement. And, you know, I wasn't really thinking, and I was, like, mm -hmm. trying to scoot in further, and I tripped yes. on the uh, the windowsill. Ooh, so okay. my, my foot basically got caught. I fell back, and, you know, my, my back of the head hit. It wasn't the top of it, so I kind of hit, like, midway on the fall. But, you know, it is a decent-sized fall as a kid. Uh, and I, cr I cracked my head open, and of course, you know, like, I realized what happened, like, my shoe is, I could see it, I'm looking up, and I can see my shoelace, like, hanging over on the oh side, my God. I'm like, well, that happened, and then I get up, and of course, immediately, you know, I check to see if I'm bleeding, sure enough, I am, I split my head open, Ooh. and, you know, that instantly, you know, you get, like, that state of shock, right? So I pull myself out of this windowsill, and I was just like... What the hell, man? <laughs> and I go home and I try to explain this to my parents. Man, like, yeah, you know, this is what happened. I I had to get stitches, uh, which had to get taken out during our family vacation. So yeah, oh. I'm like, yeah, great way to spend my vacation. Like <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't go in the the pool or anything. Uh, oh no, <laughs> so that's just like a double whammy. <laughs> but no, it's just one of those things where it's like, it could have been a lot worse than it actually was. Mm -hmm. But it's just like the the time and aspect of it could not have been better or worse, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, and if it was a, a different kind of head trauma, that might have been your uh, your serial killer origin story. You never right. know. Yeah. <laughs> Where I, I well, would uh, shoot people to death with Nerf guns. Yeah. <laughs> um, my close story was uh, we used to have this old TV set. And uh, the cord became frayed. And I was very, very obsessed with watching television because, I don't know, like, I just thought it was the most interesting thing in the world. And let's be honest, it probably was. <laughs> so um, I, I, the, the wires were bare and the, the plug was falling off. And I ended up taking it off and just plugging it right into the wall. And, my, and I was being babysat by my older sister. And they had to get a broom and kick me off the wall because I electrocuted <laughs> myself. And they didn't tell my mom about that mm -hmm. until I was already like 27. Uh, at the time, I think I must have been like 8 or, or 10 or something like that. Um, another good one was uh, they, we were playing like trampoline where uh, this wasn't a trampoline. It was a bed sheet that my sisters were holding and I was in it and I was being thrown up into the air, <laughs> slammed up against the ceiling. So that was another one that they never told my mom. Oh my God. Maybe these are my serial killers origin stories. <laughs> I just realized I have way more of those than I thought I did. Cause mm -hmm. I have like three more that I was going to share, but maybe I'll just keep them to myself. <laughs> yeah. I remember, uh, I remember another time I, I was even younger at this point, but I was playing with uh, one of the irons in the house. Oh, uh, my okay. mom, my mom collects a lot of like, uh, antique irons and like they were all in the the dining room uh, but mm -hmm. see i have She's no like, i i have no recollection of this <laughs> uh but apparently i was ironing the carpeting or something and like there was a giant <laughs> hole <laughs> with that spot so you know my mom always gives me shit about like nearly burning the house down because i was ironing the carpeting <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, it is so dangerous having children. Mm-hmm. I just man, and I I was a little escape artist too, and not that I was running away from home. I just liked roaming the streets. <laughs> and uh, uh, I my parents would have to devise different ways to lock the house up at night because I would always do it after everybody went to sleep. And they would put this they put this deadbolt at the very top of the of the entrance of our of our front door. And I used a broom to get it open and I would like <laughs> go out and then come back. And keep in mind, again, I'm like eight in the middle of the night, just walking around in my PJs because, you know, I couldn't get to sleep. So, oh, my God, I had some miracle that I'm here. Yeah, I wonder the show with I, you. I wonder if it's you would have been as quick on your feet like Debbie, if like someone had saw you and been like, what? No, I'm I was sli- a dirt eater. Sli- I told I'm sleepwalking. <laughs> I think I would have, but then I would have been so bad at lying. They were like, shut mm-hmm. the fuck up, man. Where's your mother? <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's by, it was miraculous that I didn't, like, just get murdered <laughs> as I tried to reach adulthood. Mm-hmm. So, luckily, I made it. So, yeah. But, Thank yeah, like, this just, they're like the refrigerator story or hanging out in a junkyard or finding a gun. Like, it's just things that kids were more prone to um, stumble upon back uh some 30, 35 years ago rather than now, I guess. I don't know. Although, do you remember, did you ever watch that movie City of God? Yes. The Brazilian movie? And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, you 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 drop in a couple of jokes and you can really change a movie. Because essentially, those are murdering kids too. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them anyway. But I was like, oh, but that's a drama. This is, uh, it wasn't exactly a comedy, but Bloody Birthday was pretty fun. So I don't know if that, okay, it doesn't count, but it was fun. So I think that should be noted. Oh, I don't know where I was going with that, but I'm done. <laughs> yeah, but basically what I loved about this is we had a very good contrast in styles from week to week, going from mm-hmm. Goodnight Mommy uh, to Here and Bloody Birthday, where, you know, we're kind of like on opposite ends of the spectrum of, like, quote, evil uh, between mm-hmm. Elias and then the three shitheads in this movie, where at the end of the day, like, you have that mindset where none of the three kids in this movie were redeemable by any stretch of the imagination. Like, nope. they were rotten to the core, through and through, and they were never going to change their ways. They were uh, supernaturally they evil. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, preden- whatever you want to call it, you know? it was They were above and beyond evil, whereas, like, Elias was, like, psychologically damaged. So, yeah, that was... So you could feel for him a little bit, like, oh, man, what a poor kid. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was... But that also is what made the movie so fun, is that you didn't have to feel sorry for anybody. <laughs> you could just... You could just enjoy. Yeah, you, yeah, know, you could uh, you could cheer <laughs> when Debbie gets a lamp thrown at her by Joyce, You're and like, then yeah. not feel any remorse about it. Like, <laughs> you little shit, you had that coming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think oh, yeah. I, I think the other thing that like this is like my only takeaway that kind of like had a negative impact, uh, just like with the movie in general. I thought mm-hmm. when you when you looked at the three kids, they didn't really give Steven the same amount of attention no, that they did with right. Debbie and Curtis, where Steven was awfully quiet. Like he was just the one kind of like tagging along, right? But he did a lot. So he killed uh the cop and we know that he was involved with trying to run down Joyce mm-hmm. and he did try to shoot uh, Joyce and from the cupboard um, he he tried plenty and he killed a couple so he killed a cop right so like he was definitely equally evil he wasn't just tagging along but you're right he didn't get the same backstory and I didn't even get a sense of like who where his where's his family mm-hmm. like you kind of see some adult but you don't know if it's a cop or his dad walking him to the cop car at the very end after you know they've been busted 
So yeah, like he didn't get a backstory. And I feel like I would have traded the the tree uh, the treehouse scene for a little Stephen backstory to tell you the truth, you know, like I could have done with a little bit more Stephen backstory. And that's my, that's my two cents. Yeah. And uh, to, to wrap it up, like this is even like going back to the initial kill scene, uh, you know, in the middle of the act, you know, they're basically playing ambulance, right? And the guy uh... basically gets stopped before he can slide into third base, essentially. So, oh, you know, in in a lot of in a lot of times like what when, when we go to like that treehouse scene and then Debbie's like, "But I know how to play doctor." I was like, "No, no, no, little girl. No, we are not doing this right We're now." We're not doing that today. <laughs> I know that was I was a little creeped out by that. I was like, "Oh no. Oh no." But then I was like, "No, Debbie just kills." Mm-hmm. So, kill Debbie, kill. But it was but, uh... it was just a way that it was presented <laughs> and like there yeah. was there was absolutely no other way for you to take that knowing that prior oh no that's exactly what that was like you know i think she was like trying to entice him up there but like timmy didn't know what was up either he was just like okay i've never played that so Mm. like she didn't even have to do that she just could have been like come see this check uh this treehouse we'd have been like okay (laughs) oh yeah that was and it's funny because we've only been talking oh no we've been talking for Okay, uh, for a good while. For some reason, I was like, have we only been talking for 17 minutes? But no, it's been going for... <laughs> well, the, the movie's fairly straightforward, you know? It doesn't have layers like Goodnight Mommy. Like, mm-hmm. it's not an onion. It's, um, I don't know, it's just it's just an apple. It's just got one thing going on through it. But it is a very good thing, and I really enjoyed it, and I would definitely watch it again. Absolutely. Primarily for uh, Julie Brown. Yeah. And, okay. I'm so okay. So Brown. okay. That's the other thing. Like, we don't really get to see Julie Brown's like comedic skills in this movie at no. all. Well, she's really young. You could right. tell she was like in her in her early mid twenties. Like, she still had her original boobs. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it was it was early days Julie Brown for sure. But I still really enjoyed watching her. And um, you know, I jumped out of my seat when I realized it was her. So that was cool. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, next up, next week, we are looking at the 2008 release, The Children, directed by Tom Shanklin, which this is one of my uh, traditional Christmas movies (laughs) for for horror releases. Uh, And I I really like this one. I can't wait to talk about that one. This is the one about the shed, right? The shed. I, I believe. I, mean, I don't want to give it away. I believe okay, yeah. so. We'll, we'll, okay. Ooh, this this movie I watched a long time. Well, when it came out, and man, oh, that's so scary. <laughs> it's it's good. It's good stuff. I'm very excited. Absolutely. So to wrap things up for tonight, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we still are uh, getting our you know feet underneath us with the new format, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and all that good stuff. Uh, so you know we're always looking for ways to improve the show. So if you guys can help us out, if you're listening, let us know how we're doing. Uh, go ahead and write us a review over on the iTunes because uh, we are always looking for ways to improve the show. Uh, so again, like we are keeping kind of like that monthly format in regards to talking about a different phobia and talking about movies uh, that emphasize that phobia. Uh, usually we'll do them in like four film blocks. In this case, uh, we'll we'll share our next phobia details here uh, within the next couple of weeks because we got some good stuff coming up and some uh, probably some classics. I mean, we haven't really decided uh, what next movies we'll be jumping to after Pedophobia, but we have plenty of options. Uh, but with that being said... If you guys are looking to contact the show, you can do so a couple of different ways. You can follow us over on Twitter at Handle with Scare. You can email the podcast at HandleWithScarePod at gmail.com. 
You can find more information on our website at handlewithscarepod.com. And we also have our Discord uh, community where you can find our community link over in our show notes. But for now, that is going to do it for us here tonight on Handle Whisker. This has been episode number 13. And, you know, like, that's kind of fitting given the eclipse and just the effect that it had on these three kids. <laughs> these absolute dipshits and bloody birthday. Uh, but those for now, shits. you know, they're not redeemable at all. And, uh, you know, I think Joyce should have thrown more lamps, to be honest. I think so, One too. wasn't more enough. Lamp. <laughs> more lamps. More lamp throwing. That should just be a general <laughs> rule in horror. I want to see more lamp throwing. Agree. <laughs> uh, uh, but for now, that will do it for us, and we will see you guys back next week. You enjoy your weeks, and have a good night. Good night.